definitely here. <laughs> All right, guys, officially episode number two of what I call the Neighbors Journeys. Um, today, we have a, I have a longtime friend that I had no idea he was working on his own business. I thought he was a patent lawyer doing his thing in San Francisco, but as it turns out, he had a side business or a side idea that he's been pursuing and recently launched a product. And I thought, why not get him on and have him share his story as it's another example of just a neighbor down the street, maybe working on the next great idea. And here we have uh, my friend Polani to talk us about his company. Hi, Yasu. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. <clears throat> oh, always. I'm very excited to talk to you and talk to your audience. So let's start with, hey, what is the company? Uh, what is the product? Uh, obviously, I am not an expert in the field that you are doing, so <laughs> I'll defer to you to uh, clarify and uh, share with us what you've been working on. Sure. Um, the company name is called Estate Apps LLC. I'm uh, based out in San Francisco. And the, as you can tell from the name, it's uh, mobile apps that I've been developing. Um, primarily mobile apps to help estate attorneys and their clients with estate planning. And the main two apps that I recently launched in March um, both relate to helping the end user, that's um, the clients of estate attorneys, um, for their um, estate planning, and particularly um, a lot of people may not know this, if I back up a little bit, but mm -hmm. there's um, there's sort of a lot of different ways that estate plans take care of. There's the big ticket items like your um, your houses and your cars and your investments and things like that. And those are really important that you have some planning that goes, goes for it to who you want it to go to, how you want it to go to them. And estate attorneys will help with that. Um, and they'll either draft a will or a trust and they'll help with designating where that stuff will go. But the big issue that I've, I noticed was that for personal property, there wasn't really a great way of designating how that these items are to be distributed. And by personal property, I mean things like your watch or um, jewelry or heirlooms and some people it's religious books and things like that. And when you mm. pass, um, there's no real good way of designating who it goes to. And it's important because um, if you talk to a lot of the probate attorneys, and these are the attorneys that um, deal with, once you've passed, dealing with your estate, the biggest fights that people have after they die amongst family members isn't over the big items like property, um, mainly because those can be sold for cash, but really it's over these personal items. Hmm. Um, and the, the, the fight is over who gets which personal item, which one of mom's you know jewelry do I get, and how, how or, you know, the, the, the religious documents or things like that, even though these items may not have very much or high dollar value, they're actually very important for sentimental values. And right now, the way attorneys would approach it is they would tell the client, hey, here's a sheet of paper, fill out, list all these items and then tell, um, designate who it needs to go to. And that was the same story that happened for my parents when they were doing their estate planning. And hmm. they never got around to filling it out. And it's a problem because when the you know people die and they don't set these things out, it just leads to a huge fight. Um, and so that got me thinking as to why people don't complete it. I've talked to a lot of estate attorneys, and some have said anywhere from two thirds to ninety percent of their clients don't fill out that portion of their estate plan. They'll 
fill out the will, they'll fill out the trust, they'll sign it, execute it. And then mm -hmm. the last piece of these personal items that lead to all sorts of disputes, they never, the clients never complete it. Um, and mm -hmm. the current practice really is just an attorney handing the client a sheet of paper, the, the sh client goes home, itemizes it, and then puts it together, um, and then signs it and returns it. And for whatever reason, which I'll get into, it seems like people don't, don't complete it. And I always think the, the sort of light bulb that went off in my head was when I was talking to my parents and asking them why they didn't complete it. And it was right. small pain points that got to them, tiny pain points, things like, oh, well, some of the stuff is located in the bank and this document you want me to fill out is on my desktop computer. How am I going to do that? And or, hmm. you know, I, I'm going through my stuff and I'm trying to describe and in our culture, in Indian culture, there's these things, dresses called saris, and they look right. very similar. One is green with, you know, this kind of coloring, and another one's green with this kind of coloring. How do you describe that on a sheet of paper? And and so when, with anything, no one wants to talk about estate planning because it's talking about death. And so any kind right. of sort of barrier you can create will sort of prevent you from, prevent anyone from, you know, putting it together. And so what these apps do, um, there's the property memo app and the estate attorney app, is that they help the clients by making it easy to put together the memo. And basically, you open the, open the app, take a picture of an item, designate who you want it to go to, and then you press a button and you can either send it directly to your own attorney, or you can save it locally, print it out and sign it. And so it gets rid of these sort of pain points of having it located all these items located in different places away from your computer. And it also gets away, gets rid of the sort of barrier people have to coming up with descriptions. So what intrigues me about this is that one, I never thought about estate planning and this level of detail until I talked to you about this, but how the heck did you end up? making an estate planning app when I knew you as a, I call it the misguided Florida Gators fan <laughs> and a consultant, right? Um, and what, 15 years later, you're working on an estate app. Like what was the journey there? <clears throat> so I, after we met um, in consulting, I went to law school and then I was practicing as a patent attorney for a oh. number of years. And in 2014, I left to start a different company, uh, DeNovo IP. And that, okay. what sort of pushed me over to that, starting that startup, we would be looking at patent portfolios of 4,000, 5,000 patents. And these are big companies suing each other. So think of the biggest tech companies and we were representing one side of them. And the uh -huh. tech companies would come to us and say, we're being sued. We have a portfolio of 4,000 patents. We need five to 10 awesome patents in here, go and go find them. And then mm. we would be given, you know, 20, 40 hours to go look through 4,000 patents. And if you haven't seen <laughs> it, you know, patents are huge. And so how, right. how do you really glean anything? And, and, and so I, I left that to start this uh, DeNovo IP because I, I just felt that the legal community, the tools that they use can't just be, here's a spreadsheet with some titles of the patent names on it. There has to be better tools. Mm. Um, and, and that sort of carried over to this idea. But for the first idea, it was working with patents and coming up with technology for um, analyzing patents and putting it in a position so that you could look at what really matters to a court or what's going to really matter to a litigation with a few clicks rather than 
sort of hoping and guessing as to what you, what you think is going to be a good patent based on some title you're looking at. Um, and how I came up with the coding for that and coding for this as well is um, I have a little bit of a coding background from high school and college as well, electrical engineering okay. background. Right. But really for the mobile app side of it, it, it really uh -huh. was just... Um, I learned uh, Swift, which is the uh, Apple language first, and then right. um, and then after I wrote the first app, I really just wrote it for my parents to see if they would use it and gave it to them. And uh -huh. then when I went to launch it in Android, um, I got, tried to find a language where I could program in both of them, found a language called React Native that's, that's sort of launched by Facebook, and then learned that, and I've been sort of going from through there. Um, but it has been a big part of the journey has been um, a lot of Googling things, looking on Stack Overflow and sort of re remembering all the things that I used to learn from college programming classes. Whoa. So, OK, I I had assumed that you hired a programmer to do this, but you're saying you learned all of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I coded the whole thing myself. <laughs> Um, oh, okay. So in terms of this company, I mean, it really is a one-man show then. Yeah, I, my brother helps quite a bit. He um, okay. he has a tech background and um, is very familiar with sort of the Amazon side of things. He's a, um, he, he can give me a lot of, he gives me a lot of feedback as to sort of what he thinks are best practices. Um, and, okay. Well, he's very quick to tell me things that are not best practices and why I should get on that. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that, in that sense to have him there. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's really me coding away and doing all the stuff in the background. Did you like have all these beta testing and all these things or was your parents kind of the guinea pig that you used for this whole thing? Yeah, it's been really my, my parents. The first version of it was my parents and actually since then it's been mainly my parents and a couple other family members have been looking at it, but um, they've been the sort of biggest resource in all of this. Wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't expect that you were doing the grunt work and the coding <laughs> in the background. <laughs> you know, the, the the biggest thing I've learned from that is that right. I thought going into this that it would be such a huge hurdle to just launch an app. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I coded, but not... Um, I coded small stuff. So I would, you know, the, the traditional intro to programming classes and I've done some electrical side coding, but nothing like putting together a whole application. Um, right. And I'm impressed and amazed by how far certain languages like React Native have come along for being able to basically make it so anyone can launch an app. Now there's going to be mm. some, some tricky parts to it. Um, there's a lot of rough edges that you have to sort of Google around and look for answers on. Um, but it, it's amazing that this sort of, that they've sort of pulled out these sort of components and made it so that you can, what normally would have taken you, you know, 500, 600 lines of code, React uh -huh. Native and some of the other counterparts have made it so now you can do the same thing in 10 lines of code. Wow. And it, it's amazing to me. I, I think that it's going to revolutionize for the next generation of coders out there, make it much easier, make the barrier, sort of the barrier to entry right. increase significantly. So you may be start of a trend where people that you, like myself, I wasn't expecting you to learn the code and come up with an app. 
now all of a sudden anybody in the neighborhood could actually really be coding and coming up with their own new app or technology there. Yeah. I mean, if you just go to the website, just the website alone, you can, with a click, you know, clicking to download yeah. the software, unpack it, and then they give you three commands to run, and boom, you're running your way to your first app. Wow. Did you ever get to a point where it was like, dude, I might as well hire somebody because it's going to be faster, or was this always kind of your thing that you were going to do this on your own? I thought about it. The, the reason why I went away from it um, mm -hmm. was that... I talked to my brother who in he has worked with a lot of um, developers, uh, software developers. Mm -hmm. And his big sort of advice to me was, if you don't fully understand um, the sort of parameters that you're trying to give them and what the code is going to look like and what how you envision the screens to go together, how the parameters are going to work, um, they it's really difficult to work with them and get the final product exactly how you want it. Mm. Um, going, working with coders is good for later iterations, but there's a lot of value to learning it yourself. Um, and so that was sort of the balance between the two. I think looking back at it, I would still take this uh -huh. approach because there was a few road bumps that I ran into just developing the app that uh -huh. I may have just said, you know, abandon the project if I was working with someone else who also ran into that same roadblock. Got it. Um, like for example, right now it spits out the um, the memo in a certain format in uh, uh -huh. Docx, and before I wanted it in you know the Microsoft Word proprietary one, and of course Microsoft Word is proprietary, so there's no real way of doing it, and there's no mm. there's no real way of getting this sort of this format of document out there, and so I I just had to roll it myself and learn it and write it myself, um, and if I were to go to a programmer, they may have done that, but I, I don't know. I don't know how that necessarily would have played out. Hmm. Did you have to raise a lot of funds for this or was this more of a bootstrap situation since you were working on the coding that you can kind of manage the expenses of a typical startup? It's been, um, I've been fortunate that I haven't had to raise money yet. Um, I've been okay. bootstrapping the whole thing and mainly the coding has been at night um, and just putting it together in pieces. Um, and so, so far I haven't had to raise, go out and raise any funding. Okay, that's good. Cause then you don't have that added pressure to meet the investor's timeline. Yeah, that's, but... that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so then how long have you been working on this coding? Is it four years, five years? Um, for the, this, for the mobile app, I've been doing it, um, since last year, um, oh, okay. first in Swift and then and then this later languages. The other um, the startup for Denovo IP, the patent software, that was started in two thousand late two thousand fourteen, um, okay. and still been going working on that. That has pivoted from its uh, initial inception into a different area that we're now working on. Um, but with the COVID stuff right now, that the patent world has slowed down quite a bit. Okay. Or even it affects the patent world. Huh? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the courts don't give it as much priority. Um, oh, I as see. opposed to Got all it. the other cases going on. Understood. Got it. <clears throat> so then, where are you in? I know you launched it in early March. Where are you in that launch process? Has COVID kind of taken over and affected you negatively, or 
you know, what is it uh, are you working on now that it's launched? So the first, the, the, there's two versions of the app. Um, the first version is out and that's to clients. Um, anyone can go down and download it in the iOS or Android store. That's the property memo mm -hmm. app. The second app, which I'm most interested in from the being a lawyer and sort of the tech side of it is the estate attorney app. Um, and that is the one I'm focusing on uh, right now, which is getting estate attorneys to sign up for a subscription, in which case they sign up for a subscription and then their clients can download the app for free. Um, and it. the model behind that is, um, and how the sort of thinking that went into that is the, um, is that the, you, no one would really know. And I didn't even know about this idea of having this separate document outside your will or your trust where you can distribute items unless you talk to a pro, an estate attorney. And so hmm. the original idea was to release just the memo, um, the, the memo generation app. And I, that was the sort of first thing that I realized is that if you just release, release that app, you wouldn't know about it unless you've talked to an attorney. And if you've talked to your attorney, the only thing they're going to give you is sort of just a sheet of paper. Um, mm. And so this second app is for state attorneys to give to their clients and then their clients sign up um, and then can now create the memo in a better way. Um, and so I'm in that process right now with the, with coronavirus, it has changed things quite a bit. From my own personal standpoint, it's changed things just because the amount of time I have is limited. Um, I've been watching the kids at home now. And so, right. <laughs> so I've been, we all, yeah, we've been doing that. Yeah. And it, it's affected everyone in different ways. And for me, it's right. affected in that way um, in terms of having time to really focus on it, um, mainly the marketing side. And that's where I'm at right now um, okay. is marketing and reaching out to people to get to people to sign up. Um, and because of that, I've been mainly focusing on, um, you know, writing on blogs and, um, putting together sort of ideas on who to pitch and how to pitch it. Um, mm. um, but that, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Um, I think when things sort of slowed or when I have more free time, um, then I need to, I'll be focusing more on, um, reaching out to estate attorneys to get them to sign up. Is this a hard conversation to have with the estate attorneys up to this point, or is this one of those, oh, great, is somebody created it, so I'm going to, this is an easy win for me kind of thing, where the adoption is easy? It's um, somewhere in the middle, I think, um, Okay. To, closer to the harder side. I think the, the, the adoption side of it, estate attorneys and attorneys in general are very conservative, and so they're unlike. Uh, they're they're sort of pushed back on signing up for anything, especially if they have to pay for it. Mm. Um, and the tricky part in this is getting attorneys to understand the value that they get out of it. Um, and so when I first approached it, the, the attorneys I would call, I would talk about the benefits of the app to their clients. And right. that is not the sort of big sell to them um, mm. because, yeah, they, they understand the benefit to their clients, but at the end of the day, what's, what's it to them? What's, right. And so what I've sort of noticed is sort of the marketing side of it is that the, when you, when you talk to them and you explain to them that it's, it, it'll increase your ability to have word of mouth marketing, because now you sort of hope that your clients will go out and after they get their estate plan from you, you hope that they'll go out and um, pass your business cards out 
if they're carrying your business cards or hope that they remember your firm name a year from now or five years from now. Mm. And with this app, the sort of benefit to the firm is once you open the estate attorney app, the firm is marketed. So their firm name is there, all the contact information, and you see it every time you open it. And in there, the, the most prominent button is share my attorney info. And the sort of idea behind it is there's no real good tools right now for any of your clients to go out and, and give word of mouth marketing. It's really just mm. praying and hoping that they remember your firm. And right. if you can get into a device that someone's always carrying around, then you sort of are more, you're, you're, you're at the top of their mind whenever that comes up. Right. And that's the goal. And, and when you start talking about that, getting more engagement with your clients, then it sort of mm -hmm. perks their ears up. Mm. Um, and so it's been, a, that's been the, an interesting sh shift for me is understanding that perspective of it, that when you're right. marketing it, even though the client benefit is there, you have to talk to the attorneys about their benefit, what they're getting from it first. And that, that, that's the, the, the thing they're interested in the most. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You've got to get into bite on your idea and what's in it for me, I guess, uh, always works. <clears throat> Yeah, um, and it, the interesting thing is that the sort of history behind it too, and the uh, the legal tech side has uh, going into this. I did some research on whether um, law firms have mobile apps to begin with, and uh -huh. of course, in like the early part of iPhone days, there was a huge rush of law firms to sign up for mobile apps, and they would have their own firm branded mobile apps. So if you're a firm, uh -huh. you would download the you know. Um, Smith Law Firm app, and that would be the name of it. And there was a huge, it was all the rage in like from 2008 to 2012. And people would spend 25,000, 50,000 getting mobile apps branded with their firm. Sometimes they would be even branded with, if it was a one attorney shop, it would just be the picture of the attorney. You know, imagine flipping mm. through your phone and you just see instead of app icons, you see pictures of people. <laughs> That's what their apps were. <laughs> um, right. And those apps never took off. And um, all the ones that I researched, very few of them still exist. And the reason that I've sort of gleaned from it was that the apps were really just a repeat of their website. And so you'd open the app and what you would see on their website is mm -hmm. the exact same thing you would get in the app. Right. And clients weren't downloading it, clients weren't using it. And, you know, getting people on their phones have 50 to 70 to 90 apps. And if you're not a unique enough app that's providing some benefit to the client, they're not going to download it right. um, or use it. And so this is, th this is the idea behind this and future apps is providing really tools that the client wants and will use. And because the client wants it and uses it, it will provide engagement with your firm because they will remember your firm's the one who gave it to them. And then drive them back to your firm. Got it. Whew. An area I never thought about, and it's so intriguing how you came across this idea and took it to the finish line, or maybe close to the finish line as you launched this thing. Um, it sounds like you have an eye for finding opportunities in areas that maybe a lot of people don't pay attention to because you started with a patent search kind of uh, app, right? And then now it's the estate planning. What do you got in store for us next? <laughs> That's a good <laughs> question. Um, 
I haven't the I've been focusing on the estate apps. There hasn't been anything that's come across recently, but I'm always looking to more ideas. So if you if you can think of anything. <laughs> Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like you found a way to organize a mess, as I call it, right? Because patent search, it sounds like you were having to organize 4,000 patents into some kind of patent or information that your client needed. Now it's personal items that I can tell you. I mean, I've personally gone through similar stuff where I, I can't describe something well enough to make a difference between the two, so... I can see how this app can benefit people. And, and uh, so, yeah, maybe there's something there about organization and shifting information in areas that nobody really thinks about. Yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely think that there is a world for, especially in the legal side, there is a world for mm. innovation that is ready, that the legal world is ready for. Um, mm. And at least from this perspective, it's empowering clients, but there are also ways where it can be empowering attorneys. I think the, the, the tricky part from the legal side of it is, um, and this goes back to my the first startup. When we first launched that startup, it was a tool where attorneys would um, sign up for the, the tool, they pay a monthly subscription, and then they would upload their patent list, 4,000 patents. A few clicks later, they would have, okay, here are the patents I need to focus on. And the, the, why that model we had to pivot away from is that the attorneys were billing by the hour when they were analyzing portfolios. And so mm -hmm. when you're cutting into, yeah, they're making it more efficient, you're making them more efficient, but their turnaround is, okay, yeah, we're more efficient, but that means we're not billing as much. And so that's the, that's the thing with legal tech. It's the legal tech either has to be... Um, makes the attorneys more efficient, but the, the sort of law firms have to realize it. And so then they're willing to pay for it because they want to pay right. less in the end. Or the right. law firms have to get on board because, hey, we're competing with all these other firms and we need to have a way that we can cut prices and provide the same level of quality. Pretty cool stuff. Heavy stuff too, to be honest. Uh, I'm, more, I'm more of a product guy, so I'm able to touch and feel things, but <laughs> never had my, yeah, never had my eyes on an app for estate planning or, uh, you know, patents. I've had my few shares of patent headaches, but that was, <laughs> that's why we had a lawyer. <laughs> Sweet. So then, uh, you know, anything that you want to tell the audience or ask the audience as you think about growing in marketing? I, I know you said that was kind of the area. Anything you want to throw out there as, hey, anything to help your business? Anything you need from the audience that you may be able to get some help on? Yeah, right now I've been focusing um, right, mainly on coming up with the sort of quick commercial or quick um, sort of copyright that I can have that it's an easy pitch to every attorney that here's exactly what, um, what, what you need to get to. Here's exactly what you need to get your estate planning um, growing and provide for your clients. And that's what I've been focusing mm. on right now. I'm not far enough that I've, um, that I've figured out all the marketing and things like that. So I've, I've been playing around with mm. that. Um, and that's sort of where I've, the, the product side of it's done. 
Um, and now I'm focusing on the marketing side. So people who are, I'd be love to talk to people who have marketing ideas for how to expand um, into the market quicker. Um, and I've been thinking of different ways because there's there's also companies out there who make legal estate planning software. And so thinking about talking to them as well as um, talking to people who do things like estate planning seminars and things like that. So then kind of tying into your previous career, is this a patented technology or, or is this something that's patentable that protects your company from others doing the same thing? Um, I don't, it's not patentable in the sense that it's really taking what was people were doing already, which was either doing it by hand or um, doing it on the computer and um, putting it together. Mm. So from that perspective, it's not. Um, and the, I think the biggest barrier to entry for anyone else is really one, getting the, the sort of product down, but then also right. the, what I'm doing now, which is going out and contacting all the different law firms to get them to sign up. Right. Obviously you learned the code and did it everything by yourself. So unless you, to your point earlier, right, you know, the product yeah. and you can code, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't come up with a product otherwise. So that's pretty cool. In terms of the whole experience of going through this, I know this is your second time through with a startup. Anything that stands out as you did everything bootstrap on your own and now that you've launched it, anything that stands out that you go, wow, that was a, that was something. Um, I think it's, it sort of stood out to me when I finished and launched the first app when I saw it in the app store, the iOS app store, that sort of accomplishment side mm. of it was, was huge. Like I never, once you see sort of your own app there, it's a, uh, it was a very proud moment. Um, I cool. think in terms of what I wish I'd done differently was um, mm -hmm. launched earlier and just released the product. I, I, at least for me, I don't know how other other people who um, have products and launched, but for me, I always felt that, oh, this isn't good enough. I need to tweak this and I'd tweak it. Mm. And some tweaks would take a little longer than others. And, oh, I need to fix this and then tweak that. And so by doing that, I think it may, I mean, I, I think there's things I focused and spent too much time focusing on. Whereas if you launch quick and then you put your product out there and you're focusing on the marketing side, that feedback alone will tell you what you need to f focus on fixing mm. rather than sort of guessing on your own as to what needs to be fixed. Right. Um, so are you starting to get some feedback since you launched about some of the features that you, you may want to update or fix? Yeah, and actually one of them that I'm working on now, um, I hadn't thought about until I was talking to one of the law firms and it was, okay, let's say I sign up for your, your app and I give it to my clients mm -hmm. or my potential clients. Um, what feedback am I getting to know whether they are in fact downloading the app and using it? And up until this point, it was, oh, well, they would complete the app, complete their memo and email it to the law firm. And mm. that's one option. They can also save it locally. So you wouldn't necessarily know if you were a law firm, whether oh, they were actually okay. using it. And so that got me to thinking and, you know, the feedback that was, they asked for was, okay, well, what about having it so that when the user downloads the app and uses it, I can ask them for their, their name and their email address and get that information so I know, okay, this client or prospective client has gotten the app 
and I have sort of instant feedback that the money that I'm spending on your app is actually being used by my clients. Right. Um, and that was, that's something I'm working on releasing next, but if I had launched earlier, I wouldn't receive that feedback. I could have focused on that instead of something else. Right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. It's the, uh, launch it with perfect product or 80% there is good enough and go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's your take on that? I'm kind of curious. Well, I, I think that, you know, it's a bit in a more of a corporate world, right? And so there's a pencils down time because there's a certain timing in a commercial financial numbers that we got to hit. So in the world that I was in from a product side and in a corporate setting, you know, we had schedules and due dates and deadlines and, and yeah, we had to give up some features uh, or, you know, go with something that we knew already that, because the process was like a year and a half or some of the products, some of two years. And, you know, you, inevitably, you, as you go through the cycles of prototypes, you learn things and you want to add more as you go along. Um, but yeah, you just kind of balance it. I don't know that there was ever a, I call it the perfect product. It's always felt like a compromise, mm -hmm. and, you know, of cost, quality, and timing. And, you know, it, 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 you always can almost have two out of the three, right? But not all right. three. Yeah. So, yeah, but, you know, your situation is slightly different, right? Because corporate side has a certain revenue target and, a, you know, a timing that commercial timing that, we had to hit to meet customers' expectations, but you were on your own doing your thing. So, you know, it was one of those where it was your timeline <laughs> yeah. and your, you know, willingness to spend that energy and time to perfect it. So I think it, I would argue probably it's a lot harder because you're probably very self-critical to begin with to make it right. And you're not really hearing other people's feedback. So, you know, you yeah. don't have other people to argue <laughs> with, but, but at least, you know, uh, that's where the difference is. But yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it's always been kind of the 80% to the goal line and, you know, get it out to the market. And then there's always an next year kind of thing. That makes sense. Um, and I, yeah. I think looking back at it, just putting my own sort of deadlines and then forcing myself to force it on the marketing side, I would do that mm. um, earlier so that it would force the sort of development of the product on its own. Right. Sweet. Do you expand, uh, uh, hoping to expand the team or are you going to still bootstrap it and do it solo with your brother? Um, no plans to expand it yet. Um, it's right now it's getting the product so that the marketing side is done. Um, well, mm. I say that, I take that back. If, if I could find, I have thought about the idea of, um, right now it's on a subscription model and bringing in people to go out and sell the product with me and giving mm. sort of a percentage of the sales back to them. Right. Um, and then going forward that way. Mm. Yeah. Cause you got to talk to a lot of law firms and lawyers and Ex you're going to have to have resources. Yeah, exactly. And the market for it is not just California. There's, I think the last time I looked, um, 40 something states allow these property memos. So um, there, it's a huge market. There's oh. almost nearly every state allows it in one form or the other. 
And that also means nearly every state, these fights are going on that people aren't completing their actual right. demos. And <laughs> it's, it's tragic. Um, it, I know of a family friend who had this exact scenario where both their, both the kids, their parent passed away without deciding anything about the property. And it, now they're both don't speak to each other over it. And so, um, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's unfortunate that this, that people don't do it, but hopefully this gets more people to do it. I'm going to be doing, starting to do this. I don't know what age you start these things. <laughs> it feels like a, you know, old, older person uh, conversation, but you kind of reminded me that maybe this is time to start doing those things. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I have a very few items that I think of um, that are important when I pass on, but I think both of us have very young kids. And so they don't really have right. the attachment to these items, this direction, but I can think of things that um, with my parents and, grandparents that um would be important amongst my brothers and other family members mm. and so um i can it, you know despite now all of my brothers being on good terms who knows what would happen right right so. cool all right guys uh, it's been an interesting eye-opening conversation uh like i said i wasn't expecting kalani to be working on all this and <laughs> I didn't even realize that he was learning coding by himself to make it happen. And that's pretty cool stuff. I uh, hope everyone learned something from his journey and his experience. I sure did. And I appreciate Polani coming on. Um, and go check out his app. Go check out his company. And uh, for those of you in marketing or even in the legal field that may want to reach out to him and just talk to him about what he's doing. Uh, go help them out. That would be, I'm sure, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for so, having me on. I'm, I always love talking about legal tech and sort of the intersection between law and tech and tech in general. Um, and this is a great idea with the podcast. I think uh, um, you, you, like, you're, you always talk to, you hear these stories about people at the sort of successful side and talking to people in the middle, midst of it. Um, There's probably a different perspective. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's, a, you know, just the story of it and the journey and it's just, I think it's fascinating. And, you know, you, people say you learn more from people's failures than success. And so, you know, it's great that I hear great success of a unicorn, but <laughs> yeah, really, you know, that, that chance of you being the unicorn may be less. So <laughs> hearing from people like yourself who really bootstrapped and learned the code and made it happen. I mean, that's pretty cool stuff. That's, that was a great story. Thanks. Man. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll we'll keep Definitely. in touch. Definitely. Thanks.